More than a dozen years after leaving the state of Florida, Major League Soccer is heading back. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarza. What's cracking, man? What's going on? Big day in MLS? I, I know, man. Twitter was uh, a, a, a buzz for, for a couple hours. It took a little while for the vote, but it, uh, it finally came in. Yeah, I thought that thing was never going to end. It was. Uh, <laughs> it turned into a little afternoon thing, and all of a sudden it's nighttime, and they're still trying to figure it out. But the good news came through. Uh, Orlando City got the votes, and the uh, the board down there has approved the funding for a soccer stadium in Orlando. In Orlando City's mission is pretty much accomplished. All that's uh, ready now is uh, you know a few odds and ends needed to be, need to be sorted out between MLS and Orlando City and. We will have team number 21 coming to Florida. And that also means it knocks off one of the four that Don Garber uh, proposed by the end of the decade. But going back to Orlando City, like you said, Ivis, it was the uh, Orange County Board of Commissioners voted 5-2 to two to grant Orlando City the $20 million of the remaining money. And like you said, I mean, they, they have a, a few things like, the, you know, they got to cross the T's, dot the I's, you know, check the punctuation, the grammar, all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, they're looking to get this settled also with Major League Soccer right away. And they said they want an announcement by before Thanksgiving of them being the next franchise. I mean, it's going to happen really quickly in terms of the next couple of weeks of all the development coming out of Orlando City. Well, the, the right. soccer club, not well, Orlando, the, the city of Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that, that's fine. There's just too many cities in Orlando. You know, you know, I just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, it looks like most of the hard, hard parts over, and now we can uh, start to move closer to having Team 21 be Orlando City. And you have to give them a lot of credit because they, they really pushed and pushed their way into the conversation at a time when, you know, I mean, a year ago, two years ago, definitely three years ago, mm-hmm. Orlando City wasn't even on the radar. And, you know, give them a lot of credit, uh, a lot of grassroots work, a lot of hard work, uh, you know, showing what they can do, running an organization there, USL Pro, uh, obviously a top top organization in that league, but also just the, the effort that they put in on so many different levels to impress the right people and show that, you know, they, they could handle joining MLS and, and, and being a team in, in a, at the highest level in the United States. And now, now the, the, I don't want to say the hard part's over because the hard part is yet to come. It's going to be, can the folks at Orlando city translate that hard work that they, that, you know, that they put in to get to this point, can they translate that into a winner, into a, a club that can actually draw and fill a stadium because that's easier said than done, my friends. And uh, now, now we're going to find out. We're going to find out if they're capable of doing that. I know. It's 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 going to take a lot. But we have seen success stories, though, Ivis, with some of the other USL Pro teams moving up. And, I mean, most of the teams have seemed like to be a, a very good model. So, I mean, you have to hope that Orlando City is going to be, you know, communications with those clubs. So, you know, over the, the haves and, and have-nots and, and what to do on, on certain things um when they move up but uh i mean hey it's exciting for orlando and it shows to go what uh what fan support can do for a club oh without a doubt and but i i would say i mean every club's different every town's different every city's different that's, um, that's true so it, it's not it's not just as simple as say oh well you know usl yeah uh, teams have come from lower divisions before and 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 shown that they can handle it it still comes down to the ownership group it comes down to the people that are going to run the club and can they handle that transition uh to really uh, plug into that area, plug into that market, mm-hmm. into that region, and start drawing fans at a much higher clip. Uh, you know, credit to USL, uh, the USL Pro version of Orlando City. They've done a good job attracting fans, uh, putting together a quality team, an entertaining team. 
But now, you know, you're, you're stepping up. You're stepping up another level, and it's it's going to be exciting to see what they can do. And obviously, we've heard all the talk about things like, you know, them drawing star players, going after the likes of Kaká. Are they going to really get that done? Now we're going to find out. Now it's up to the owners to show that all the things they promised and all the things they said that they could do if they got a team, now it's time to show and prove. I think every team has been linked to Kaká at one point. Well, LA, New York, LA, New York, and now Orlando City. I know, I know, not every team, but it just—it just seems that his name keeps popping up. Well, we'll see, right? Yeah. I mean, I, my my thing is this: I just, I, I, on one level, I understand why some people are skeptical about Florida, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've already had contraction before; we've had teams try and fail in MLS before, uh, but I, you just get a different sense about this Orlando uh, group and and the fan base there, just the the grassroots effort they put in. To really push themselves to the forefront of the of the of that conversation is just really impressive, and it, it gives you some hope that they they know what they're doing. Yeah, I know. Well, obviously, the conversation is now going to turn to the uh, who is the next team going to be, and some some cities have been popping up. Some other cities could be popping up on the radar uh, soon, but a lot of attention is going to turn to that, and, and you wonder if a, a franchise can get going in Miami or even Atlanta too to, to kind of for MLS to kind of get a stranglehold on, on the on the southeastern part of the United States. Right. I mean, I think you want to cluster some clubs in close proximity, um, fill out that part of the map that was empty up until now. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. If you get those three teams there, I think that's a big step towards expanding the footprint, uh, the national footprint, and really tapping in the fan bases down there that, that, that have, I mean, there are soccer fans down there. You see it. You see it all the time with the uh, the TV ratings uh, for international events. You know whether it's national team games, World Cups. Uh, you know, market like Atlanta. I mean, I've said it before. They they have a, a strong uh, base there of fans of soccer fans. That, that's a soccer city, and and you know you don't really get that sense because they don't have an MLS team and they haven't had one. But the fans are there. You know, the TV ratings show it, and uh, I, I can tell you just from SBI and our site. The traffic shows it. Atlanta's, you know, been one of the best cities for traffic among non-MLS cities since we started the site. So I, I know the fans are there. So that now it's going to, you know, be up to their group, their ownership group, and up to MLS to, to to get to an agreement and have them be maybe be that next team. And and for me right now, if I if I had to put my money down on a city to be the next city mm-hmm. to be Team Twenty Two, I'm going to put my money on Atlanta. Really. I think so. You know, I think well, Miami is the other team in that conversation, but you know, there seems to be some confusion about just who's going to be the actual group. In the end, you know, you have the, you have Ross, you have Claude, and obviously Beckham's in that conversation mm-hmm. as well. Who's he going to partner with? That one, I mean, I think I still think all three happen. I still think we're going to get Atlanta and Miami. That I just you just get that sense that since Atlanta has that ownership group set set up, you know, obviously Arthur Blank's the guy. He's at the forefront of that. Uh, I, I just feel like they're a little closer uh, to realizing that dream than Miami is. I think both get in, but you know, I, I think if if you're going to ask me who's the safer bet for me, I, I'm right now. I'm going to go Atlanta. Well, it seems that a lot of teams have moved up from USL Pro, which which you know MLS and USL Pro have worked hand in hand, versus NASL, which kind of runs separately from both of them. Though, I mean, do you think we could see uh, maybe like someone like Indy Eleven have a very successful NASL want to move up to MLS, or or is NASL just completely going to want to stay away from Major League Soccer? Well, now you're getting now you're touching onto that quasi taboo yeah. subject of promotion and relegation. Um, 
you know, I just don't think MLS is at a point where promotion and relegation is realistic uh, because the group, the owners in that league, the owners in MLS are not spending tens of millions of dollars or $100 million like New York City FC uh, just spent uh, to risk their place in a league in order to, to, to fall into a, another league that just isn't isn't where it needs to be yet. If NASL, and I'll tell you what, NASL, people people might not realize, but NASL is growing NASL is going has the look of what should be a successful league. If they if they stay on that path, if the if the owners in NASL can put together a really strong league, and I don't want to say that can compete with MLS, but at least can stay in that range. If they can do that, if they can cultivate some of these markets now, where they're going to put teams. When you talk about a team like Indy Eleven, when you talk about the Cosmos, Cara, you know, in the Carolinas, mm-hmm. San Antonio. If they can tap Minnesota, if they can tap into these markets and really get strong footholds there and make the NASL a viable uh, 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 a viable second division to partner with MLS on promotion and relegation, sure, I, I think that could happen down the road, but I just don't see it happen anytime soon because you know what? These, these owners are putting a lot of money on the line, and I just don't see it. I just don't see them agreeing to that. And I know there are people out there who say, you know what? The country needs it. American soccer needs it. I would love to see it at some point, but I'm a realist. I'm a, I'm a realist. I understand that you can't expect these owners who are putting all this all these millions of dollars on the line and, mm-hmm. and to turn around and say, well, guess what? You might lose that investment or you might be forced to play in an inferior league when you just bought in five years ago, one, two, three, four, five years ago. That's just unrealistic. And, and, and I know there's a ton of rhetoric about it. We could have a whole show just on this topic. But I just think people are people who push keep pushing the promotion relegation thing uh, don't realize this, how just unrealistic it is. I think down the road, ten years plus, yes, it could happen. Maybe it could happen now in the immediate future. It's just not going to happen. Uh, quickly before we move on, Ivis, you mentioned two other teams along with Orlando City. There needs to be a fourth team. Could we see like St. Louis, Sacramento? Who else could get that? It's going to come down to the who has the money and who has the the stadium plan and and who really impresses the league. That's really the walk card, I think. That, that you know that fourth spot, who's going to get it? Um, you know, uh, San Diego. I, I've said it before. I just no. think Club, Club, Club Tijuana's locked that in. That's not that that's not a market I, I see MLS going after. Um, St. Louis, for the life of me, I don't get it. Right? I mean, I I feel like there as a market and 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 with the history, with the fans, I know they have there. You, you would think that it would work and it would make too much sense for MLS not to be there. But, again, it still boils down to what's the ownership group situation there. Who are the big pocketed owners that are going to drive a St. Louis bid? And that's what it comes down to. If you don't have the deep pockets, if you don't have someone that's in your stable that, that, that can write those big checks mm-hmm. uh, to handle being an MLS, until if you don't have that, MLS isn't just going is not going to take you seriously. And I just – the sense I get is St. Louis continues to lack in that regard. After that, it's it's I, I really I really don't have an answer. I really Phoenix. don't have a Phoenix. 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 Phoenix could be that wild card, man. Never. It could happen. I, oh, oh well, you know, I mean they did that new team that just started there. Oh they? yeah, they did really well in year one. There you go. Oh, yeah. Well, let's see how they let's see how let's see if they come back for year two. <laughs> moving yeah, on, exactly. Ivis. Yeah, he uh, in uh, moving on to the US men's national team. Uh, in an interview with U.S. Soccer, Jurgen Klinsmann spoke about the FIFA World Cup draw, which will be on December 6th. Once the teams in the playoff in November finish all those games and all that uh, going on, um, he's a little upset, Ivis, about the current seeding for the World Cup. He thinks that'll create lots of groups of deaths, 
death, excuse me. And uh, to be honest with him and, and Jurgen, it's every group is going to be tough. And unless you somehow draw like Switzerland, Algeria, and like Cameroon, Ivis, no, no matter what, you're going to have a tough group at this at that 2014 World Cup. That's just the reality. Right. I mean, I agree with that, but at the same time, I think he did have a point in that the system that has been put in place now is pretty flawed. I mean, it, it isn't even about the U.S., and that's the thing. I mean, I think anyone who might have read the headlines or heard about Klinsman being unhappy automatically assumed he was talking about the U.S., and the U.S. should have had a better chance at a seed, but I really don't think that's what it was about. What it's about is you look at the pots, or you look at the, the teams that are going to be seeded, and you look at some of the teams that aren't seeded when you talk about the Netherlands and mm-hmm. Italy, teams that have had, have had success in recent years, in, re, in, in the past decade, in multiple competitions. How in the world? Are these teams not in the seeded pot? Uh, uh, you know, ahead of teams like a team like uh, Belgium or a team like Colombia. I mean, not, listen, Colombia and Belgium are two of the teams that you you really love going into this World Cup uh, in, in next year. Just with, with the qualities that they have, they they both have chances to really shine and really shock some people. But should they be seeded? I, I have a hard time arguing that. I, I really think I don't know how you can make the argument that teams like the Netherlands and Italy. With what they've done in competitions in, in the past decade, how, how does it just get thrown out the window? So I, I, I totally get the, the point Klinsman's making is because by doing that now, now you're putting these powerful teams with with tradition behind them who, who have a tradition of, of, of tournament after tournament uh, representing uh, bringing strong teams to the tournament. Now they're in that next pot, and, and that's just – you're going to have, like you said, you're going to have three or four quote-unquote groups yeah. of death. And, you know, on some level, maybe that's a good thing for the World Cup. But at the same time, uh, it still feels like the system – once again, they try to shake things up. And once again, it still feels – it feels like they could have done better. Uh, I did one simulation while you are talking. And we – U.S. was in Colombia, Nigeria, and Netherlands. That would be, uh, be very tough. That would be pretty tough. That would be but, very tough. Well, you know okay, what? okay, well, okay, but this brings up a proposal then, because you just mentioned it. Do you think teams should be seeded based off previous uh, World Cup performances? I think it's a combination. I think it should be a combination. I, I, I mean, the the fact that world, you know, the 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 FIFA rankings, we all know that's a flawed system. We all know that 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 you know when you're talking about getting points for winning friendlies and being penalized for losing friendlies. I mean, it's just a really flawed system. So I think that I think they went too extreme the other way and tried to get too basic. And, and now we have the situation we have, which was you know that you have some really really strong teams that should not be in this second pot. That should not be that they should be seated. And and now you know it, it's going to make for some some really interesting groups, some really tough groups. And I and I've said it before. I said it in the past episode. U.S. fans, stop crying and worrying about the groups stop whoever we get whoever the u.s gets you get and then then it becomes the challenge it becomes the opportunity for the u.s to show how far it's come i think we can all agree or most of us anyway can agree that the u.s team right now is pretty damn strong and it's one of the deep it's for has to be the deepest team uh the u.s has ever had and arguably could go into brazil with the strongest team the u.s has ever had mm-hmm. so if you have that Stop being a baby. Stop hiding hiding under your bed, worried about the group of death. Just, you know what, whoever the U.S. gets, they get, and, and let's stack up. Let's go toe-to-toe. Let's see how they stack up against these other teams because, as, as we've said before, the U.S. has been in tough groups before, groups they weren't expected to do much in, and it did well. 2002, perfect example. Yep. 
they faced well, also the Lane and Donovan was money during 2002. Well, he wasn't alone. There were a lot of people yeah, that had money. But look, that group, Poland, was, I, I believe, undefeated in qualifying. Portugal was Portugal, golden generation. And South Korea was the host. The U.S. was supposed to have no chance. And, and they got through. So you know what, folks? See it as an opportunity. Stop being afraid. This is a tough U- – this is a good U.S. team. Start having some faith and some belief that maybe, just maybe, this team – could make some noise regardless of the group. All right, Ivis, let's move on. Talk CONCACAF Champions League, the final games in the 2013-2014 original group stages come to a close on Wednesday night. Uh, there's five Major League Soccer teams in it. LA Galaxy have already advanced. Montreal Impact are out. There's three MLS teams all still playing for an opportunity to move on into the next group. Sporting Kansas City, San Jose Earthquakes, who are in a very strange spot where they only have three points that they can still win their group. And then also the Houston Dynamo. Ivis, on Wednesday, could we see all three Major League Soccer teams win and move on? That way you have four American teams moving on into the next round of the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, I definitely think you could see that. You know, I think that all, all three teams are in a good position to, to, to get things done. I mean, we already know LA's through. They ran away with their group. But then you want to talk about San Jose. It's very simple for them. They're at home. And if they win, they're in. You know, because uh, the, the way the... The tiebreakers are set up. They'll, they'll, all three teams will be on six points, but they'll have the the edge in in uh, in uh, what I want to say plus minus. I'm thinking hockey now, but uh, I just blank. But goal difference. If they win, they'll have the edge in goal difference, and they'll advance. And uh, for the earthquakes, you know the the way they fit have finished the season um, really strongly. It would be huge for them to be able to get into the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. have that have that carrot that they can chase going into next year. And, and, I mean, they're, I think they're already building some good momentum heading into 2014. Um, even though they missed the playoffs or pretty much had missed the playoffs, uh, I think that's still something to build on. You know, we don't know who the coach is going to be next year. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be Watson, the, the interim coach. I don't think it is. But whether it's him or whether it's Dom Kinnear, whoever it is, they've got a pretty good group. And and I think being in the Champions League will, uh, will provide them the opportunity to maybe go out and get better revamp the roster, bolster the roster, and and then try to give that team a real chance uh, in the quarterfinals. Uh, And in the rest of CONCACAF Champions League, Tijuana, a team that has a lot of Americans on it, uh, they've also already advanced. And then on Tuesday night, I have his Club America. The joke on Twitter was Club America, a.k.a. the Mexican national team, lost, and they're out of the CONCACAF Champions League. And, And that's actually kind of surprising to see uh, you know, a team like Club America, as prominent as they are, being eliminated in the group stage. Well, I mean, to be fair, you have to look at the team they put on the field. Um, you know, if they didn't trot out a first team, which 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 Mexican teams have been known to do in the group stage, you really anything can happen. Then you really run run a risk of a, of, of an early exit in this in this competition if you don't take it seriously. And, and I think that that happened to them. Um, and now, if you if you look at some of these other teams now, especially in MLS, Houston and KC, they both have to at least they both need a draw and they're through. But they can't take the, either one of these matches for granted. And both those teams, especially KC, uh, it's a little tricky one because they have to focus on that game. Champions League quarterfinals is a really big stepping stone for that club. But they also are they have to think at least somewhat about mm-hmm. Saturday playing the Philadelphia Union. Still wanting to have some say in the Supporter Shield race, have put some pressure on the Red Bulls for that top spot in the East. So you know, what do you do if you're Peter Vermees? Uh, knowing how Vermees is, I think he's going to put his strongest team out there on Wednesday. 
and just see what happens and, 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 and make sure that he locks up that, that, that uh, quarterfinal place in the, in, the, in the Champions League. But if he doesn't do that, I mean, you can't really blame him, right? Because you, you have to think with the depth that Casey has uh, and the number of options that they have, that, you know what, they can, they can trot out a team that is more than capable uh, of getting the result they need against Olympia. Uh, and still giving the group the rest it needs to put in a, a tough performance uh, on Saturday against the Union, the Union who could be eliminated, I think, by that point. So you know what? That's a, it's a tricky one for them. And for Houston, coming off the loss that they just had against the Red Bulls, yeah. you wonder what this what what their mental state is because we always expect Houston to turn it on late in the year and get strong once the playoffs start. You take it to another level, mm-hmm. and, and and you you know based off that three nil. You have to ask yourself, do they have it in them? And I think we're going to find out in this Champions League game. If they take care of business in this Champions League game, I think that'll that'll be a pretty good indicator that maybe, just maybe, Dom Kinnear has them in a, a heading in the right direction uh, going into the playoffs. And it's interesting with uh, Houston, too, because we thought they were coming on. But, hey, I mean, the form of the fire revolution behind them, sneaking up, continuing to win. It's uh, it might be a little too late for the Houston Dynamo. I was. You also mentioned earlier a hockey reference. I gotta ask you, what's your team? Islanders, Rangers, or Devils? I don't really watch hockey that much. What? I used to when I was younger. I was a Penguins fan. Big <laughs> oh, Mario Le- Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager. When I was younger. Now, if I have a team, it's probably the Boston Bruins, and it's because I have some close friends who work at work for the Bruins. And you know how that goes. You know when you have friends that work for the organization. It kind of, you know, you develop an attachment there. I've gotten to know some of the players through the years. So they, I'd say they're my team. But I, honestly, I don't pay much attention during the regular season. Once the playoffs come, then I start paying attention. I used to uh, pretend I was Mario Lemieux. When we, you know, since there's no ice in Arizona, you'd have to play in your cul-de-sac with, roller, you know, with skates and stuff like that. So I was always Mario Lemieux. That was before, even before we had hockey in this state. Uh, hockey's great. <laughs> hockey's great, man. Um, I was... CONCACAF Champions League isn't the only thing on Wednesday night. Major League Soccer is also being played. Chivas USA, Real Salt Lake. I mean, Real Salt Lake should take care of business against Chivas USA. Uh, if they do, they'll have the top spot in the West, uh, spending the Portland Timbers, who need a victory, uh, three points to get the top spot back. But uh, Real Salt Lake in a midweek game should take care of business against Chivas USA. Just to show you how crazy a year this is. Uh-huh. The entire fate of the Western Conference, the toughest conference in MLS, is going to come down to, you guessed it, Chivas USA. The schedule makers, uh, you know, have a pretty good sense of humor. They give Chivas USA the last two games of the season, Real Salt Lake and Portland. And those are the top two teams. And you want to think those two teams can take care of business, knock Chivas USA off. But you never know. You never know in MLS. Um, you can't take it for granted. So... I, I mean, I agree. I think Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake, t- takes care of business. But I also think the Timbers are going to take care of business. If both those teams went out, they're going to be one and two in uh-huh. the. Uh, they're going to be one and two in the West, and that sets up the potential for a juicy LA Seattle regular season finale. Uh, you know, with the, the the potential that the loser, uh, the winner, avoids the wild card. Or whatever they want to call it, I call it wild card. MLS chooses play in whatever. I'm calling it a wild card. The winner what stays a, at what a at, rebel. I, it's just silly. <laughs> like why just call it a wild card? That's what every other sport <laughs> calls it. Why do you want to try to be different? Just call it a damn wild card. That's it. That's that's it. Uh, that's my simple piece on that. But the winner of LA Seattle, <laughs> the winner of LA Seattle finishes third. 
avoids the wild card. And then the loser has to face Colorado. And if you're Seattle, the, if you lose to L.A., right? Yes. You're going to be, what, five losses in a row. And then you're potentially having to go back to Colorado. Those, are, those are just details, man. They're in the playoffs. Who cares about the regular season, Ivis? Come on. No, what you matters, listen, if you get spanked the way they got spanked <laughs> by Colorado in Colorado less than a month ago, it's going to be in your mind. It's going to be there. And you know what? It, it's not even about what happened. It, it, the fact is Colorado is that good a team. So Seattle, they, you know what? They're going to make the playoffs anyway, but for me, it's a must win. It's a must. At least let's say it's a must not lose because, you know what? If they get a draw, at least you feel like they're riding the ship. Mm-hmm. But if they lose at home in front of you know what's supposed to be 50,000 plus, I believe I, I, if, if I remember correctly, I don't think the Sounders have ever lost at home in front of a, 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 a crowd of more than 50,000. I believe that's a stack. Yeah, I think I did see that too. I think you're right on that. So if they even if that even that security blanket doesn't come through, if LA can go up to Seattle and beat them, Seattle, I mean they have to be in crisis mode, panic mode, because then you're you're talking five five losses in a row, and you're most likely going to have to be traveling to Colorado to face the same Colorado team that whooped you less than a month ago. So they don't want that. They do not want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I think they turn it around. I think they do. I think they, I think they're. We're not doing our game predictions just yet, but no. I'm not ready to throw dirt on the Sounders just yet. I know everyone is. I know everyone's that, especially folks up in Cascadia. Portland fans are loving the struggles. They are loving the fact that Clint Dempsey doesn't have a goal. They are loving the fact that Siggy Schmidt is losing his mind and, and and ripping everyone in everyone he can possibly think of after after each game. You know what? I get that. You can enjoy that. But you know what? In the, in MLS, things can change from one week to the next. In Seattle, I still think they just have so much talent. Uh, if if they if this LA game, if they can turn it around and get that LA game a positive result, watch out. Um, Sporting Shield, Davis. Lots lots also can happen this weekend. Portland is uh, one of the front runners, but but the thing is, Chivas USA at home is a very difficult team. Uh, over the last recent string of, of home matches. I'm not counting the LA Galaxy game. They were the, technically the away team, so that game does not count. Um, but Portland has to go on the road. But Portland, Ivis, right now possibly looks like they favor. Even though New York has the lead, they have a little bit of a tougher game against a desperate Chicago Fire side. As far as the Supporters' Shield goes, um, I mean, what do you see playing here? Do you see New York uh, keeping the top spot, Sporting Kansas City creeping up, Portland coming through? I mean, what, what could happen here? Well, here's my and I wrote about it on Goal.com on Monday. Anybody who's been around that has followed the Red Bulls and knows the history of the Red Bulls, they know that this club finds a way to break their fans' hearts. It's like clockwork. Year after year, they find a way. And that's why I can guarantee you right now a lot of Red Bulls fans are very nervous. A lot of Red Bulls fans are not counting their chickens. They've seen it happen too many times before. And I've been covering this team since 99. I've seen it happen too many times before. So that's why I look at this team. I look at this Red Bulls team. They're playing great. They're playing with confidence. They're, 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 deep, they're a deep team. Uh, they're, they're getting contributions from all everyone on the field. But it's like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for the clock to strike 12 on this dream. Um, so that, you know what? It's tough, man. I, I want to say they should beat Chicago. They should lift the supporter shield and have 
what would be the best moment in the history of the club on Sunday. Because if they win and they lift the Supporters' Shield in their stadium, which is going to be packed, it is absolutely going to be packed on Sunday. If they do that, it would be amazing. But you know what? This club, man, they've done it before. So I'm not not ready to say that they're going to do it. So I I feel like something's going to happen. Maybe they get a draw. Maybe they only get a draw. And that would open the door. If they get a draw in Chicago, that absolutely opens the door for Portland and Real Salt Lake to grab the supporters. Well, Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. You know what that means. It's the SBI Q&A. I saw someone in the comments on the website ask, how do I put a question in? Just go to Twitter. Do a tweet. You can say whatever you want. And at the very end, hashtag, which is the number sign, ask the SBI show. And then Ivis and I will click that, and it link brings up the list of all of that. So that's the easiest way to get questions. That's actually the only way well, to get questions on the show. To be, <laughs> to be fair, if they don't know what a hashtag is by now, they should probably not even try I just this. described but it to them. It's the number sign. I'm helping them out here, Ivis. Come on. Uh, no, like I said, if they don't know what a hashtag is by now, Maybe they should set their bar a little lower. For well, if you if you are offended by Ivis, I apologize and uh, keep listening to the show. Make sure write le- make sure you write me a nasty letter <laughs> in snail mail. Clearly, <laughs> you don't know how to use the internet. Uh, all right, Ivis. First question comes from Sean Curry. Does Sporting Kansas City have enough offense to win MLS Cup? I, I think they do. I mean, when it comes down to it, when you get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. you're not really going to have a ton of shootouts. I mean, obviously last year. Out west, you, you had you know L.A. and Seattle uh, throw together some goal fests, but I think usually the East uh, lately has been known for for some real physical battles, and they, they they don't have the most explosive attack. But I think they're with the the defense, the stability of their defense, the organization, the quality of their defense that's going to keep them in the games. And when you have a playmaker like Graham Zusi. Uh, and the variety of forward options that they have, yeah, with with Sapong, Beeler, Sunisad, Dom Dwyer, I think that mix of players that they have is going to give them give them enough goals, and they don't need to outscore teams three, you know, three nil, uh, you know, three two, four uh, three. You know, they they're they're not going to give up many goals. You know, I, I don't know if they'll give up more than a goal in any game, but. As long as they have that defense, you have to give them a realistic chance. Uh, next question comes from Conrad Buck. Okay, now we get that MVP relates to value to the team. Why is there no MVP? And he means most best player award. So, Ivis, who would be here? MLS MVP. <laughs> okay, first of all, that's the worst name yeah, ever. Sorry, Conrad. Of suggested yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, award names. You know, I think the I think the term you're looking for is most outstanding player, and that's 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 kind of a uh, a name for a t- uh, for for an award we haven't heard before. It'd be the MOP award, M O P. And and yeah, and you're also your your high school English teacher wouldn't cringe by hearing you say it. Um, who? I, I tell you what, I think there are people who already vote that way, who already vote for whoever the best player is, not necessarily who has the most value to a team. I think that's already happened through the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you look. I mean, Dwayne De Rosario is a perfect example. I mean, for me, how do you, how is a guy? valuable or the most valuable uh player when he doesn't even get his team in the playoffs right i mean i i just that I to, for, to this day it's still bugs me. but some people disagree i know there are people out there who think you know it should be uh some people think that because it's such a subjective thing the idea of value to a team that you know instead of trying to gauge that you just measure all players equally and, and and rate them just in terms of, of talent and and, and 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 output. 
And I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. You can absolutely measure value of players, right? I mean, it, it, like as as we've said, someone like Mike McGee, when you look at the the, the record of the teams that he's been on, mm-hmm. and you take the records of when he's been on the team and when he hasn't been on the team, that's quantifiable. The improvement that his teams have had with him on the field, that's why he's valuable. That's why he's arguably the most valuable player. Someone like Tim Cahill. With all the things that he brings to the table, not just the goals, which he has been able to bring, uh, especially in the second half of the season, but everything that he brings to the table, work rate, leadership in the locker room, Mm -hmm. uh, just his overall presence, that's value, right? I mean, it can't just be about putting up numbers. because I mean, numbers matter. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, they do. If you're scoring goals, that that means you're obviously valuable. The goals are the most important thing. So someone like Marco DeVaio, who's, who's torn it up on the goal front, uh, you know, there's no denying that he has value, but is he more valuable? Does he do more things to help his team win than other players? That's the, that's the, that maybe that's where some people just don't like the gray area. So rather than getting into all the whole idea about their value to their teams, it's easier to just stack them up against each other. Look at the numbers, look at the performance and say, okay, this guy was the best player this year, not valuable, but best. And I think if you want to go best player in the league, I think Robbie Keane, you can definitely make a strong argument that him at his best was the best in this league this year. I, I don't I don't I don't have a problem saying that, but from a value standpoint, when he's on the same mm-hmm. team as Landon Donovan and Omar Gonzalez, I mean Landon Donovan, who we all know came back this year and was outstanding for much of the year. Um, you know, Robbie Keane didn't do it alone. Uh whereas, you know, someone like Mike McGee, when you look at the stats that he's put up and look at the other players on that uh, Chicago Fire team, I mean, he is clearly, without question, the the guy there. So I think that's why, for me, Mike McGee, uh, someone like Mike McGee, um, gets consideration for MVP. But maybe no, I, I don't know many people who would look at him and say, "Oh, he's the best player in the league." I don't, I don't think he would get many votes in that in that in that department. All right, next question comes from Hoops Grind. Do you feel twenty four teams will water down the overall quality of the league? Good question. It can. It absolutely can. Will it definitely water down the league? It's what twenty four teams does is put pressure on all the teams in this league, mm-hmm. all the teams in MLS to start producing more talent, to start taking their academy seriously, to start stepping up the production of quality players. And if they don't do that, if the academies don't do that, if they don't step it up, if they don't start producing more MLS ready players, then yes, the league will struggle. And MLS will have to turn around and start spending more money on imports. And then we don't want that either, where you're going to end up like the Premier League, where you know it, it's hard to find American players get re- getting regular minutes. I don't think we're going down that road just yet. I, I, think, I think MLS has enough time. Academies have enough time. But the pressure is going to absolutely be on the academies to fill that void and to help boost the talent pool. Because when, you talk, when you're adding four teams, five teams now, five teams in the next however many years we're talking – you're gonna you're gonna have to step up. It's got to be the academies. I this next question comes from Trevor Moore with NYCFC when Orlando joined in 2015. Does that mean Houston moves to the West next season? I think it's inevitable. I don't know if it's next. Well, it's not next season because next season. Well, I guess uh, yeah, uh, 2015. 2015, be, yeah, 2015. 2015. I think Houston makes the move. Um, I don't. I don't know why they would do it next year. I mean, I guess they could. Um, they don't have to do it yet, but I think it's it's inevitable. I think you want to get Houston. Uh, I mean, when you look at it on the map, I mean, Houston, you can put Houston in the West. I mean, it, it's going to make the West that much tougher. Um, but you get 
the Houston Dallas rivalry back, which I think would be a good thing. And then you also have the possibility that if Dom Kinnear goes to San Jose, uh, that's more matches between Dom Kinnear and his former team. Uh, next question comes from Alex Godkin. I think it's how I say it. Is there going to be an expansion draft in a year? How will Orlando and New York assimilate? Well, after the 2014 season, there will absolutely be an expansion draft. And whether it's only one team or two teams, uh, you're going to have that happen. And, and I mean, we've we've seen it before. We've had it before where multiple teams have come into the league and you've had the expansion draft. So uh-huh. that's going to be the, you know, that's going to be the first step for both those teams because there is value. There's going to be value. And as much as, you know, we want to talk about the dilution of talent uh, and and uh, you know what will there be much there for these teams to to, to really gain? Uh, I think there will be, and that, and that's going to be the first step, letting us know where these teams are in terms of their ability to judge talent and and, and uh, evaluate talent. So that, that's uh, I'm looking forward to that expand uh, that expansion draft. Uh, next question comes from Troy Lafleur. Who would your selection be for Defensive Player of the Year? I, I would say uh, Gonzalez. <laughs> Who would you say, Iris? <laughs> A way to steal my thunder, buddy. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, you can't do that though, because I've already talked. I know already, you've mentioned Trump, it like Trump, about two months ago. I, I've trumpeted Gonzalez for some time now. I think there's two guys. There's Gonzalez and there's James Olave. When you talk about how important Olave's been, I mean he's he's not only been a defensive just brick wall. He's also been you know an attacking threat. He's he scored goals. He's been absolutely outstanding for them. But for me, New England. Where, where they were a year ago to where they are now, uh, it's just night and day <clears throat> defensively. And Gonsalves is absolutely the leader of that defense. And you know what? He might not win because, again, popularity and more people see Red Bulls games and more people know about Olave than they know Gonsalves. But if we're talking about on merit, on the, what they've been able to do for their teams, mm-hmm. Jose Gonsalves, for me, is the MLS Defender of the Year. Uh, the final question comes from best friend to the show, Dave Martinez. It's 2 a.m., the best time to record a podcast. I'm looking to prove my own. Any helpful hints would be appreciated. Well, Dave, uh, I, uh, I don't know if you need any help, man. I think your show, your show is pretty good. I mean, I've never heard it, but uh, people tell me it's good. Um, <laughs> oh, my <laughs> no, I'm just, This guy. Uh, I, I'm just kidding. I've been on this show before, just for the record. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but I've been on it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, Dave, I tell you what. If you're going to be feeding your daughter ice cream at 11 at night you probably should start recording your shows at 2 a.m uh that's just a helpful hint kidding wait he's really <laughs> giving his daughter know, ice cream at 11 o'clock i i don't no, even have yeah, kids and i know that's not a good there. idea it, it, it was it was it was accidental it was there was a perfectly good explanation and i've done it before too so i can't talk um but no 2 a.m is an idea i mean if it were up to me and if it were up to garrett if we could work oh it out with our schedules God. we'd record during the daytime We'd have guests on every show, but unfortunately, with our crazy schedules, we always end up recording at the at the crack of midnight or late, late, late night. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, Dave's podcast is Scene Red. It's Scene Red. That's the podcast name. You really didn't know, did you? No, I'm letting everyone know who's wondering. I know That's what it is. Ad- it's the number one podcast for your New York soccer news. Yes, I'm letting everyone know what the even show's even though called. they never have me on anymore. They're still pretty good. I I know why you don't go on shows anymore. <laughs> I will actually. Uh, oh hey, I, I'll, I'll I'll go on shows. Anybody who wants me on their show, let me know. I'm all for it. I have a show. Well, except you. <laughs> we do enough. We do enough shows. I don't think we need to be on any more shows. What? Why not, Ivis? Don't you want to continue this friendship? <laughs> I think three times a week is enough, my friend. I know. I agree. Trust me. You have no idea. 
Maybe when we meet at MLS Cup and <sighs> and our bond gets strengthened, we'll be able to to talk about that and We're, talk about you know getting all the you know what let's get all the podcasts together get, and just have one mega podcast. That's um, it. yeah. If anyone, I, for anyone listening, when when we do supposedly have this party that might 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 happen. Might not happen. Um, Ivis and I will record. The party's a show. happening, buddy. The, the party's party, happening. We, Whether you're there or not, the party's happening. We will record an episode at whatever classy establishment we're at, aka whatever hipster dive bar we go to. Um, so yeah, you can jump on the show if you want. Also, it will be, I believe, Team What Ivis U35. So if you want to come roll with Team U35, Ivis is the manager. You're more than welcome to. I don't even know what that means. You totally lost me. Team U35. Who who'll be out there? I'll be out there. Franco will be out there. I'm trying to think of anyone else who contributes to your site who's probably under 35 years old. Everyone is. Every, everyone, I think everyone on the staff is under 35. Really? Oh, I, thought had, I thought you had some. I'm the old man. I'm the old man of the group. I'm the old man. Yeah. But I'll tell you what. Listen, we, we, we'll, uh, I don't even know where we're going with this. But uh, you know what? We should, just, we should just do one show, get everyone together, and, uh, and do like a five-hour podcast. Oh. No, not really. Not really. Actually, for those of you who might not have noticed... This podcast is it'll, this show. I don't like calling it podcasts. I like calling it a show. It just sounds classier, right? Uh, we're gonna start shortening. <laughs> we're gonna start shortening our shows. We're gonna go for the forty minute range. Yes. Uh, from, what, from what we're hearing, uh, it, that works better for for more of our li- our listeners. So we, we've listened to you, and we are gonna start doing that. So shorter shows, Q and A's only once a week. So for those of you who want to ask questions, you're gonna make sure you got to make sure you're getting them in on the right day. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ivis, for saying that. Only once a week. But if you miss Ivis and I and you need to hear our voices, just DM us. We'll give you our phone numbers and we'll talk to you at any part of the day. Ivis wanted me to let <laughs> no, everyone that, know that. Only, that's only what Garrett does. That's Ivis how, wanted me to let everyone dates. know that. So <laughs> we're at, also at MLS Cup Final, I'll, I'll be printing off of flyers for Ivis' phone number. So. <laughs> nice. Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. <laughs> everyone has your number already, so you don't even have to do that. <laughs> this, oh, this guy. Ah. Uh, <laughs> That wraps up the show, man. You have a good rest of the week, and uh, I'll talk to you later this week, man, as we preview the final week of MLS action. Yes, sir. We'll be back on Thursday night, late night, and uh, and we'll preview the big games, and then we'll mm-hmm. be there this weekend. And I'm not even going to say it this time because, you know what, we probably won't have a guest, but maybe we'll surprise you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll have to do impersonations. We could do that. Oh, I know. That's a good one. You know what? If we don't have guests next show, we'll, we will at, very, at the very least – do some impressions. Yeah, we could do it. Like, you know, Joey Barton or who else could we do? Terry on me. No. Oh, ooh, ooh, that, ooh, that needs work. <laughs> God, how, that? I, I, how great would that be? Was... How great would that be if one of our listeners could do like a dead on Henri and we had him on the show and like, you know, said like we had Henri on the show today? <laughs> that would be that would be funny. That, that, that's I think we're gonna have to do that. We, now we, oh. you know what? We've just given someone a great idea. Yes, if that. anyone's that's good. the next show. The next show is gonna be MLS impressions. Yes, yes, yes. There. If anyone's seriously, if anyone's really good, record yourself and and somehow send an audio file to Ivis or myself. Like seriously, like if you're that good. Actually, that could be funny for the night. I, we'll, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. I guess that wraps up the show, man. We're, we're listen. We're totally kidding because you know what's going to happen. I'm not kidding. We're actually going to get a guest, and no one's <laughs> going to believe it's the actual guest. Like I'm going to get, you know, we might maybe we'll get Mike Petke on, and he'll be, you know, have his thick New York accent, and people will just think that's not Mike Petke. Like somebody <laughs> pretending to be Mike Petke. So, no, we are kidding, folks. We're not doing impressions. Actually. I'm not kidding. Well, just send me the audio because I think it'd be funny just for myself. So. But, I mean, yeah. I just, that wraps it up, man. You have a good week. I'll talk to you later. Bye.
Yes, sir, man. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for sending in the questions. Thank you for your view support. Everything you do, this is the FBI Show.